Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for being here today to help us celebrate all things creating and to share our stories together. I say let's get ready to tune our imaginations. I want to talk about something that happened this week. This week, I had the chance to hear author Pauline Boss speak at St. Olaf. She's the author of one of my favorite nonfiction books called Ambiguous Loss. And when I first read this book, I remember feeling grateful that somebody had put into words a way to understand the unknowingness of the world. The concept of ambiguous loss helped me to feel comfortable with the idea of not knowing. I had been a girl who loved to find the answer, get the question right, and do the research to figure it all out. Then as I grew up, life got more complicated and some things didn't make sense. And one of the things I tried to make sense of was grieving and loss. Ambiguous loss is a loss with no resolution. The loss is unclear and may be physical or psychological, where there is incongruence between presence and absence. So think of soldiers missing in action, terrorism, natural disasters, divorce, immigration, adoption or Alzheimer's, addiction, depression. All of these things fall into that category of ambiguous loss. And it differs from ordinary loss in that there is no verification of the death or no certainty that the person will come back or return to the way they used to be. In her new book, The Myth of Closure, Ambiguous Loss in a Time of Pandemic and Change, she writes, Ambiguous loss is neither a disorder nor a syndrome, but simply a framework to help us understand the complexity and nuances of loss and how to live with it. And, of course, we all experience loss in our lives. And she believes that over these past years during the pandemic, we've experienced a type of ambiguous loss. The trouble with our times now is that there's no cultural rituals for ambiguous loss. We haven't processed this pandemic experience, and this is important. We must come together to sort through this undefined experience. And we need to tell our stories. We need to make connections. We need to explore our stories through the arts. That's what I believe. And begin to define what we've lost, what's different, and what's ambiguous. That's the knowing that we need. And the arts might just be our pathway to healing. And that is really, I had a spark when I heard that. And so I'm really excited to be able to feature the arts every week on Arts Annie Radio. And today we've got a giant show, so I cannot wait to get started. Today on Arts Annie Radio, I'm going to be talking with Kristen Twitchell of the Northfield Fine Arts Booster Club. Welcome to Arts Annie Radio. Thank you so much. It's fun to be back. It is fun to be back. It's been a while since I've seen you. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about the John Prine tribute that's coming up. This weekend, so we'll get into those details as well as Charlie is here. Welcome to Artsani Radio. 
Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. Charlie is uh, Kristen's daughter. And then we also have Hannah joining us. Thanks. It's exciting to have you here, and they're going to be talking about all the arts that they're involved in. We were talking prior to the show, and I was just amazed. So these are great kids to talk about what arts means in their lives. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk with Daniel Van Tassel, and he's going to speak about his new book, Journey by the Book, A Guide to the Tales of Travel. So that's a great great segment as well. So let's get started. Why don't you each introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about the arts that you're involved with and what you love about the arts. Charlie, you want to jump in and start? Um, like, I'm involved with a lot of theater and uh, dances and a lot of uh, choir stuff. But and, and what grade are you in? I'm in sixth grade. And so how long have you been doing the arts? Probably since I was young. Because I've been doing dance since I was really young, and uh, she was was the first acting fun for little ones class at the Paradise Center for the Arts. So that was a preschool class, and so that you have been doing it your whole. You know, know a life not without the arts. Mm -hmm. What do you love about being involved in all those different activities? I feel like it keeps me busy, and it's a good way to express myself besides just speaking how I normally speak. So you can take on other characters or other mm-hmm. roles or dive into something that, you know, with paint or an instrument or your body through dance. That's really fabulous. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Hannah, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, I'm Hannah. I'm in seventh grade, and I'm in band, choir, jazz band, and extra choir and theater and dance. So Wow. How do you have time? <laughs> It's basically the only thing I do. And why is it that you pick that? What does it What does it give you that you enjoy? Kind of like Charlie, I can express myself through it. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing. And, and of course, Kristen, you're here talking about NFAB, which is the Northfield Fine Arts Booster. There might be people that don't know what that organization is. Yes, yeah, so NFAB, the Northfield Fine Arts Booster, we like to call it NFAB for short, is a local booster club. You think of your sports booster clubs that we actually raise money and then we give that money back to Northfield Public Schools arts programs. So everything in the kind of the K-12 spectrum. So we just recently um, gave grants to one of the elementary schools to purchase some manipulatives for their STEM and art programs, kind of 3D art. We've given uh, instruments to pursue cultural music, more cultural music. The jazz band, the high school jazz band is, I guess it's turning into an actual course. And so we're providing music charts for that, for the high school play that just wrapped up. We were able to provide funding for the costume rentals as well as busing and extra royalties so they could take that play on the road to the elementary schools. So it's, we try and hit all the different arts, whether they're the visual arts, the music arts, the, you know, we, that's why we say fine arts. So the theater arts. So we really want to encourage our teachers and those who are involved in the arts to, to, um, write grants through the schools for those programs, for the public schools programs. But also we just had given to the max today. It's not too late, but also to support the Northfield Fine Arts Booster through giving. And then we are actually still recruiting some board members. So if any listeners out there 
have some time and are interested in supporting the arts. I've been on the the other side of most of my nonprofit career, which was, you know, the fundraising. And it's nice to be in a place where we actually get to give some money away. Yeah. And it, I think for a community to have a booster club that is promoting the arts is highly unusual. I don't know if you have done any work on that, but especially in a small town, you know, you often hear about the sports booster clubs. But this is a version that, that says you know, cheers for all those kids who participate in the arts. Yeah. And a lot of times I think that can be focused on the high school and we really want to kind of spread the wealth. And so uh, we've supported the this a couple of years ago, the middle school switched to having T-shirts because they realized that not everybody may have the same resources for buying the clothes, the white shirts, pants for performances. for performances. So they all have matching T-shirts. And so we helped underwrite that. And then we're providing some scholarships for the high school, I mean, sorry, the middle school choirs to go to Beauty and the Beast. So again, that elementary, middle school, high school, trying to make sure that all of our kids are supported with the arts here in Northfield. And it's really great to be in a community where that's a priority. I think that is a great story. And we'll get to the John Prine event here, yeah. which is a fundraiser. But I want to hear from the kids. So each of you have a, a few things coming up with the arts. And so let's start by talking, Charlie, a little bit about this theater experience that you're doing right now. Tell us what's, what you're involved in. Um, I'm involved in Prairie Fire, for, um, the play Snow White. And Tell me about that experience. It's a it's a really interesting program that exposes you to all aspects of theater in a very short period of time. It's really fun, and it's sometimes a little bit stressful because you have to learn lines quickly, but it's mostly fun, and I just have a great time doing it. It's, it's a one-week program where mm. professional theater artists come and help the students. What ages are the students in, in the program? Um, anywhere between. Like, younger than high school, but I think the youngest, yeah, second to eighth grade, I think. Okay, and so they, uh, by the end of the week, they do performances of mm -hmm. the play. And tell us about the play you're doing right now. Um, it's Snow White, and it's, like, the original, not the quite original story of Snow White. It has a bit twist, because obviously, like... They can't do the original, but they have their own little twist of it, so it's much more fun for younger kids, and there's a lot more different groups, so it's not like there's multiple of the same characters. So you, everybody who participates gets a spot to, to work on and be in the show. And I want to tell people that those performances are, is that tonight at mm -hmm. 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. and then Saturday at 1 p.m. And that's at the Northfield Middle School Auditorium. And it's open to the public. Mm -hmm. Tickets are super affordable, $5 for adults and $3 for students. What, what is your role in the production? Um, I'm mainly a townsperson, but for the beginning of the play, I'm the good queen slash Snow White's mother, but I just have a song that, I don't sing the song, but they sing it about me while I'm kind of in the spotlight, just um, almost acting out what they're saying. So you're incorporating movement and uh, all kinds of different things that you've learned from the arts. What It sounds like, I, I think arts do so much for our kids in in helping them work together, you know, build confidence, get that idea of being on stage and in front of people. I mean, there's, there's numerous ways that the arts support uh, the growth of our, our kids. Uh, it feels pretty incredible to be in it. it yes. Yeah. Hannah's mom was sharing that. This is one of the first Prairie Fires she's not in because she's doing Newsies, but you've done a lot of Prairie Fire as well, correct? <laughs> what did you love about Prairie Fire? Um, that the 
even if you're very young, like I did my first show, I don't remember how old I was, but you still get to go in it, and it's not like you audition, but you weren't good enough. Anyone who signs up gets to do it. So you get to experience, and it's all aspects of, of putting together a show, the costumes and the lines and the movement and working together. And it sounds like, too, that you, there's a little bit of imagination. You get to kind of help with the storytelling. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty phenomenal. Tell us about the program you're in, uh, Newsies, which I keep hearing these rumors about that it's going to be incredible. It's really fun. It's my first Purple Door show. And Newsies is basically about the Newsies strike of eight, set, six, no, I think it's seven. 1899. Oh my goodness, it's that's a long time ago, yeah. so I can imagine you wouldn't remember. <laughs> and basically the newsies are striking against, because the newspaper company raised their price and making them even more poor. It's really fun. There's a lot of dancing and singing and newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. I know it's one of my kids' favorite uh, shows and productions, so to be able to have it come to Northfield. And this is, a, uh, you've had a long rehearsal time because it is such a, a big show. How many kids are in it? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> a lot from what I've heard. And that, because uh, there's a whole big cast of, of those newsies doing doing the performance. And how have all your experiences in the arts allowed you to be able to take on a challenge like that? Um, partly Prairie Fire, because I've done it since I was very young. And just kind of the musics, because a lot of the singing and musics will help you with theater. Being able to know what you're singing, sing it well, know the notes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great experience. I, 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 we will probably have a show about that coming up. When does it open? Do you remember? I forgot the date. January, early in January. Okay, so what a great thing to do in the middle of winter is go see this big, beautiful show. Purple Door Theater is uh, uh, part of the Northfield Arts Guild, and they do phenomenal things. So congratulations on being in the show. Kristen, you've been in, in all aspects of, of the arts in this, this community. Someone may know you from the Paradise Center for the Arts, and now you're working with the Northfield Fine Arts Boosters. Do you see it in, in the you know experiences that you've had with performances and kids, just the, the richness and the depth of the talents and the um, things happening in our community that varies from other communities? Definitely. You know, I've had a unique experience. I've lived in a lot of different places and different states, and I think one of the things that has struck me for our kids who've all been involved um, in the arts choir for my high school boys our my older son is in uh, very active in the visual arts as well as choir but just the confidence Mm -hmm. that I think our young people get and the friends they make I'm sure both of uh, these young people could tell us about these really cool friends and people they've met that maybe they wouldn't have interacted with and I think that's another beauty of the arts is just it brings so many different people together. Mm-hmm. And I know that at the Paradise, too, what, depending on the type of music we were doing or the theater show. But it just, I don't know, it's a great uniter, I guess, is what I think of when I think of the arts. And that was one thing Pauline Voss was talking about in her presentation of Ambiguous Loss, was that what, part of what we need to start our healing is to come together to tell our stories. And arts is such a beautiful 
way to do that. And um, supporting the arts, you know, we need to have all kinds of people on all different levels, uh, whether it's financial, just being an audience member, volunteering, being part of the crew, that whether that be on stage, off stage, backstage. Uh, so there's uh, so many angles to that. So that takes some some funds, and that's what NFAB is putting together this John Prine tribute, which. I have to say, I, I, at first I was like, oh, John Prine, how are they going to do a tribute? Uh, but then you start looking into his music and you're like, what? <laughs> so tell us. Yes. Yeah, so tomorrow evening, uh, there are about, there are 20 plus local musicians. that include Saturday night. Saturday night. Sorry, it is Friday, right? I feel like I'm losing the days. No, that's now okay. that, I just want to make sure people listening Saturday to the rebroadcast yes. on Saturday know that it's on Saturday yes, night. it's Saturday November 19th, and it's 6 to 10 p.m. here at the Armory in downtown Northfield. And it's a donation only, suggested $10, but people, we want them to give what they can. And so they're doing the music of John Prine, who has been covered by some of the most famous artists of all time, Elvis, uh, Johnny Cash, John Denver, Bonnie Raitt. I was surprised that the 10,000 Maniacs have covered him, Kelly Musgraves, for those people listening to more modern music. It's So it was fun. And then he's a really talented musician. He was in his own right, mm-hmm. too. And so getting to honor that storytelling as we've talked about which he was a phenomenal storyteller and i think he he's i think when i was reading he did his first performance at 16 so he literally had six decades of music and so i know for music lovers he's a beloved um, legend in that kind of world and so we're excited Ray Kudre who was on earlier was promoting it and i think we're going to hear one of his songs a little later in the show but he it's just so fun to have so many different ages of musicians coming together to perform these songs that people might be surprised. Oh, wait, I didn't know that was a John Prine song because we think of oftentimes I think with songwriters, we think the person performing may have been the writer. And oftentimes that's not the case. That's and right. so when you have this huge songbook of John Prine's that they'll be choosing from and and doing. So we've got multiple sets. We'll have an MC who's doing some lyrical trivia between those sets and just a whole bunch of different music spread out through the evening. So we're really excited. Hope that people will come out and enjoy some great local musicians doing great music. And that, again, is at the Armory, which is right in downtown Northfield. And there are over two dozen Northfield uh, artists and musicians that are contributing. So it's going to be phenomenal. I thought I'd, I picked a clip of John Prine singing in case people are not sure about his sound. So we'll just play a little bit of this. This is John Prine with uh, Hello in there. And it is um, his song. uh, This was live from sessions at West 54th Street. It gives you a little taste of his sound. Not all his songs are like this, but this one, I just thought his voice is so beautiful and, and I wanted people to know who he is. So we'll play a little bit of Hello in there. In the city 
John Prine, hello in there, and he is just a a treasure. And I, I learned, I guess, that sadly he passed away from COVID, which was he was a very early on in our pandemic experience, and what a loss for the whole world to um, not have his music in our our you know world. But this is the kind of thing that can bring that back and and uh, bring bring the sounds of music to us and we can gather together. I think that's an important part of it. We were talking about the, um, one of the things that, you know, the Northfield Fine Arts Boosters promotes all the different school things, but sometimes if you're not in that school world, it's hard to figure out what's happening. So tell us how people can connect with what's going on in the arts in our school system. Yeah, so one of the places... Sorry, Kristen. Okay. Okay. So... uh, a lot of times the district calendar has those shows posted, but we also try and put them up on the NFAB Facebook page. So we invite you to like our Northfield Fine Arts Booster Facebook page because you can then see those listing of shows. And it's just really fun whether you're going to that elementary school band concert and seeing those, you know, new kids learning to play and the, the new, you know, young choir kids as well as, you know, then our middle schoolers, we were just talking, they're going to be singing at Winter Walk. And which is always fun, along with all those concerts coming up. And then we have some of those really, well, their traditions concert for the high school choir and then the band concerts that are such a huge part of those kids and what they've worked for all fall to get ready for. So we post those shows on our Facebook page and invite people to go there and visit. And if you come to John Prine, again, all those proceeds are supporting that, that booster club and our ability to fund some of these programs. I just noticed the sun is shining in and spotlighting all of you. <laughs> Sorry, it gets really bright. That doesn't usually happen. There's like just a couple times a year where that happens. So you guys are getting the spotlight on you. So uh, did you want to talk about that? That uh, Were you a part of the choir concert coming up, Hannah? Tell us a little bit about the songs that you're preparing and um, what work you're doing to get ready for Winter Walk, which is, if you can believe it, folks, is just... I don't, I don't even want to say it, how soon it's happening. It's December 8th. I think it's Tuesday. Is that right? I forgot to pull, pull up the date on that. Uh, we have Carol of the Bells, What Christmas Means to Me, Winter Dream, and Song for the Unsung Hero. 
it really creates a great atmosphere when you have uh, and now we're going to have snow it looks like it doesn't look like it's going to get uh, warmer to melt at all so it'll be a nice really pretty evening downtown and all the the candlelit uh, sidewalks and hopefully a few campfires you got to grab the date yeah it's thursday december 8th and then do the do the sixth graders they sing as well right yeah, charlie they sing. and tell me what you're excited about for that what are you singing um i forgot some of the names of the songs um because it's been a couple of days since i've had choir <laughs> but, well that can happen yeah, yeah. but it's always going to be great classic christmas music that you can you know just kind of get back into the spirit and maybe this is a year that we need that even more yes and i think one thing that i really appreciate about northfield and the schools and the kind of music they do is that they really try and honor it's you know the different holidays and celebrate mm -hmm. uh, some of that different cultural music as as part of those shows so that oftentimes during this season we get that too which i appreciate exactly and that is what makes it so incredible so folks should definitely support the northfield fine arts booster club as you mentioned there was a give to the max a day uh folks if they go to your facebook page they it's still not too late to contribute it is definitely not too late to contribute and we actually take donations year-round just give to the max is kind of our big thing and then you can also check out more information on northfieldfab.org so we have a website as well as a facebook page wonderful make sure and give that to folks and let them uh, participate and support the arts because it really matters you aren't going to have these great shows you know with with as as with uh, people get older for all of the adults if you don't have the kids who are enthusiastic and supporting it. And there's so much more to the arts than it teaches so much about working together and being on stage and uh, to how to tell our stories. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I get a little, a little choked up because I really think for my kids um, moving into the community knew, with new, it was really their experience in choir and the arts that gave them the friendships that they have. And so I'm really thankful for that. As a parent. There, exactly. Is there anything else Hannah and Charlie want to add to uh, help people remember how important the arts are in our community? I think so. You, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's okay. I know it's hard sometimes. But, and go see Newsies. Go see the um, sleeping, uh, excuse me, Snow White. Wrong, print, wrong story. Uh, with the Prairie Fire Theater, which is tonight at oh, 7 okay. at the middle school and then on Saturday at 1 at the middle school. There's a Northfield Dance Academy Nightmare Before Christmas performing at Winter Walk. Okay. So. You can find out the date somewhere. They have mm -hmm. the website, NDA. Yeah, NDA website. It's a Winter Walk day. I think it's Thursday. Yeah. Fabulous. And I really enjoyed getting to know you, and I hope I get to see you in many more performances. And we'll see you at the uh, great uh, Northfield Event Center, the Armory Square Event Center, on Saturday at 545 Doors Open, 615 Music Starts, donations taken at the door, $10 suggested. But, of course, you can always be generous Absolutely. and give more. We're going to play a little bit of this Ray Coudre, uh, Speed of Sound of Loneliness, a John Prine song. And this is his tribute as we switch out the studios and move to uh, the second segment with Dan Van Tassel. Thank you, Kristen, Charlie, and Hannah for being, me, uh, being with me today on Arts Any Radio. Thank you. All right, we're going to move on.
Come home late and come home early You come home big when you're feeling small You come home straight and you come home curly Sometimes you don't come home at all But in the world's glory What in heaven's name have you done? Broken the speed of the sound of loneliness Out there running just to be on the run I got a heart that burns with fever I got worried and a jealous mind I can love that lasts forever You laugh so far behind What in the world's come over you? What in heaven's name have you done? Broken the speed of the sound of loneliness. Out there running just to be on the run. Mighty mean and a dreadful sorrow Pass evil light today How can you ask about tomorrow We ain't got one word to say What in the world's come on you? What in heaven's name have you done? Broken the speed of the sound of loneliness. You're out there running just to be on the run. And folks, that's the fabulous Ray Coudre who produces so many great events in our community. His tribute to John Prine called The Speed of the Sound of Loneliness. And I hope you'll take a listen to the whole thing. And I just think it's so beautiful. And in the um, piece that he has uh, posted, he has this fabulous line, in case you're wondering why you can't find the words for what you're feeling, it's because John Prine already wrote them all down. 
which is a really um, wonderful. And it just cut out on me, so I didn't catch the last of it there. Uh, let me grab it because I know I pulled it up in my um, – there we go. Wrote them all – this is the important part, so I need to start again. In case you're wondering why you can't find the words for what you're feeling, it's because John Prine already wrote them all down in perfect order. That's the good ending you need to see. Because that was well-timed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're jumping to our next segment, and Daniel Van Tassel is here. He's the author of Back to Baron, as well as Journey by the Book, A Guide to Tales of Travel. And it is a, a really beautiful book. And But I thought I'd first have you introduce a little for our listeners who may not know you or haven't had a chance to meet you before. Tell us about your uh, background and what brought you to journey by the book? Yeah, well, uh, whenever you read, you, you kind of depart from where you are and join the author in his or her place and time. And uh, so you pick up a novel, and obviously the setting is important. But when the setting has a journey, like a voyage or a pilgrimage or something, and uh, it's... Uh, the journey is important for the meaning and structure of the work, and it becomes the foreground and not the background. Well, I discovered that, I mean, whether it was Canterbury Tales or mm -hmm. uh, something more modern, that uh, journeys are really uh, a good part of almost all reading. But there are some things, like from Homer's Odyssey to Bill Bryson's uh, <laughs> Walk in the Woods, where uh, the journey is it. And most of those authors have a, and they even speak to it, the idea that it's not arriving, it's going on the trip. It's, uh, in fact, uh, the best kind of traveling for any of us, whether it's vicarious or real, is uh, not to be uh, so dead set on getting somewhere so that you lose out on the enjoyment of of traveling, of journeying, and so anyway, over the years, as I've taught uh, English uh, literature and writing, uh, there have been a lot of works where the setting is important, but increasingly I was aware that there were distinct journeys uh, and uh, where, where the journey really is important for the meaning and structure, and the narrator uh, is one who establishes a real great rapport with the reader, those are the ones that you want to, you know, really settle on. So this book uh, cites a hundred, over a hundred uh, travelogues, but uh, twenty chapters are devoted to twenty-four books, which are really superb. And though that's that's what got me going, and I've been working on this for quite a long time, actually. But uh, when we moved to Northfield and about nine years ago, uh, I. I kind of put more time on it, and it, it was published in July, I believe it was, this past July. So it's a fairly new book, and yeah. I, I think that's really, you know, if you think about the experiences of the pandemic, and one of the things we were not able to do was to travel. There you hit something, yeah. And you, you could uh, get online and, and get a work or go to someplace like Content or the library over here and get a good book that would allow you to feel uh, pretty much as if you are on the road or you're uh, on a cruise or what have you. And you're right. A lot of people turned 
to to reading things uh, to get out of the claustrophobic <laughs> kind of atmosphere. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you've traveled to many of these places that you mentioned. So I'm yes. kind of uh-huh. curious what kind of a, a traveler are you and why is it that you're so drawn to this idea? Yeah. Of- well, uh, early on, I mean, Sinbad the Sailor, I mean, a lot of little tales, you know, when you're a kid. But then uh, my brother and I would take along with my folks when we when they went to Denver and we went up Pikes Peak and stopped every so many hairpin curves for Dad to uh, refill the radiator of his 47 <laughs> Chevrolet uh, or and maybe take pictures with Mom's brownie camera. But uh, it went on, and then uh, obviously through college and afterwards, uh, alone and with others, colleagues and uh, family members and so forth, I've traveled by rail, uh, by road, by f- whatever, and... Uh, when I was uh, teaching uh, in uh, various colleges, I, I started a, a course I called Literary Haunts of the British Isles and take about 30 students, and we'd go over in, in January and, and go Ireland, Scotland, England, of course, and so on. And then uh, later when I was uh, dean, uh, I was always teaching while I was a, a, a dean at uh, Muskingum College, uh, I developed with others uh, exchange programs for faculty and students where we just swapped places. And it was a mm. really inexpensive way for uh, either faculty or students to be away for a semester or a year uh, and then for the home campus to have somebody replace them from somewhere else. So it doubled the effect, really, and so mm-hmm. on. And so I would go out with others and we would look at different places for uh, feasibility of a campus exchange. And so from the east, Hong Kong, to Canada, to Puerto Rico, wherever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did a lot of traveling then. Then uh, I taught in London for a while. Our daughter began infant primary school there in London. Uh, We had a flat, and students had homestays with people in, uh, in around Greater London, uh, and that was uh, that was really interesting because when we came back, we kind of had to readjust to a different life. We were so used to not to make a grocery store, but you know the markets and that kind of thing. But traveling, and then when uh, we were first uh, married, I guess after <clears throat> second year, we went off to Europe, Rhoda and I, <clears throat> and uh, we used Fromer's Europe on five. Mm-hmm. Of course, five dollars. Five dollars a day. Get you anywhere now, <laughs> but we managed to do it for less than five dollars. Now these weren't fancy hotels we stayed at, you know. But anyway, so traveling and reading travel books has been a big part of uh, my my life. Yep. And that that makes you a great uh, you know guide to these there books. There you go. I, yeah, I see myself as a guide, not because I've been to those places necessarily, but also because I've read and reread and studied and analyzed and talked with students about these works so that I feel like I can uh, help uh, inspire and uh, relate. We should give people an idea of, you know, the different works that you selected, because I think as I look at the list, a lot of them are ones that I have said, someday I'm going to read that. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's interesting because in the reviews that I get, people will acknowledge that. Well, I read uh, Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie, but I didn't connect with it. But now after I've read these things here in this chapter, I'm going to see what he did as he, you know, dug into American soil with uh, with uh, a, a travel log and, and a, his pen, not a spade. Of course, he took his dog and, and, and off he went. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just a, a flood of uh, different places. Uh, Twain, I look at two of his books, uh, Innocence Abroad and A Tramp Abroad, two very different books. They both go to the Holy Land and parts of Europe. And the first one is more of a pilgrimage and so forth. And Twain isn't always serious anyway. But in A Tramp Abroad, <laughs> uh, crazy. Even the title, it sounds like they're going to tramp a lot. But usually they tried to take a shortcut with a carriage or a train or something like that. And uh, it's really full of a lot of humor, the whole book. Uh, he learns that the best and easiest way to scale a mountain is just take a telescope and <laughs> see it there, and then you don't have to do all the mess with, uh, you know, organizing stuff and so on. But uh, And uh, then also coming down, when he, they did go on a trip, he uh, experimented a little bit, and then he discovered that you can't really take a glacier down. It's going to take too many hundreds of years to get to the bottom. Yeah, but may, it's a maybe funny less book. now. <laughs> but you and I were talking earlier about uh, Bill Bryson's mm. uh, 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 A Walk in the Woods. Which I and, love that book. <laughs> yeah, and he, he goes off with his Sancho Panza, uh, 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 an old uh, friend of his, who's kind of a, a, a slacker, and they go off and uh, one foot after the next, they're trying to go from Georgia up to Maine on the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. And uh, many readers also say, well, you know, I think I'd like to go on the Appalachian Trail now that uh, Bryson and Ola Van Tassel have, to, have guided me, you know, in a kind of a precursor to the I think I'd thing. rather read about it. <laughs> you know, there, in fact, there's a lot of people, uh, I'm in the book, uh, in the group too, who like to read uh, books about books, mm. and uh, to have uh, a guide or somebody else talk to them about it, and then they go back to that book and say it's going to work better. I'm going to have you square up with the mic a little bit because we're. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. Perfect. All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because so, there are. Um, times when you know i don't know that i could actually take on something like that right and mm -hmm. and so it's it's a good way to uh enter that world w with you know uh another uh you can you know uh, experience it through vicariously through that person and there's a lot of people who like that kind of armchair travel exactly yes that's that's the term armchair uh, travelers exactly uh well i mean you're comfortable in a chair you get uh the natural light or a good lamp and and uh, there you, you don't have to move a foot <laughs> even mm -mm. uh just a book in hand and off you go the the mind is a wonderful thing in the imagination because all it does is, you know, it signals, like, whether it's a song like you were playing or whatever, uh, it's great. Um, yeah, I think uh, the the people that are uh, included here, well, like um, Paul Theroux, the author of the popular novel uh, Mosquito Coast, uh, in uh, uh, a great railway bazaar, he goes to the Orient, and he looks out the train windows, and that's his canvas, 
you know, he's painting the scene, and uh, he's also, he says, uh, I, uh, I chose trains, I met passengers. And that's the whole trick of it, too. We meet a lot of different people through these trips that people take, not just sites. I mean, it's obviously nice. To, and animals. I mean, uh, Ed, uh, pardon me, Ted Simon in Jupiter's Travels uh, takes a, a marathon on a, on a uh, motor, motorcycle. He mm-hmm. goes 65,000 miles, four years he logs, and uh, en route, he runs, uh, he runs across uh, animals of all kinds. Uh, in fact, uh, he says here, uh, my, my first view of wild elephants encapsulates the thrill of visiting Africa. And the passage that he talks, is, I say it rivals the writing of noted naturalists. He observes there were 10 of them about 300 yards away, gathered close together under a tree. They were nuzzled up to each other, wonderfully satisfying shapes, smooth and solid, superimposed in a cluster of curves, all the more alive for being so utterly still. And he points out that the elephants he's looking at are, uh, are brown, not naturally gray. Of course, that's because they were dusting themselves. <laughs> sure. Anyway, he goes on. But uh, he regards the scene as emblematic of Africa, and as an uh, uh, he goes on, uh, the piece ends with uh, a single exclamatory, all-encompassing word. You guessed it, Africa. Just by seeing those animals, or let's say the the trip by Rob, uh, Robin Davidson in mm-hmm. uh, the south part of Australia across the deserts. Oh, sure. She's going uh, with camels and the camels she treats them as if they are family members uh and uh, when they try to get away from her uh and she stops them they kind of feel embarrassed and uh, look at the ground or else at their uh, she's looking at their eyelashes but she treats them like family members and the whole thing is like a uh, a peaceable march of the kingdom, you know, of animals. But mm. so you meet people and animals and places and so forth, all from the comfort, like you said, of your own chair, <laughs> your your easy chair. <laughs> right, and traveling can teach us so much about yeah. the world and and change the way we feel about the world, or you know, That's it. help yeah. us understand what we. You know, hopefully we we are open our minds enough so that we can understand a little better other parts of the world and recognize what we don't know. You're you're paraphrasing Twain. He said the best way to lose a prejudice is to read about other lands and people. He said it much better. Well, no, he didn't. He just said it in his own words there, but... Yeah, and, uh, and I want to talk about the organization of the book for yeah. somebody who's thinking about uh, picking it up and, you know, maybe using using this to help guide them to what might be a good book for them. Because uh, I think it's really fascinating how you structured it. There's uh, So how would you like people to use the uh, book? Well, okay. Uh, of course, the, the introduction is, uh, uh, is a kind of a set piece. Uh, it's called... Uh, uh, exploring in the kingdom of uh, travel literature. Uh, but like Back to Baron, 
it's written like in self-contained essays. So it doesn't matter. This is not chronological, the Back to Baron either. So you can drop in on uh, Scout Camp or Bible Camp or uh, Christmas uh, or what have you. And and same with Journey by the Book. Now, at the end, uh, in the end uh, matter of the book, I give a kind of a praise or a little summary of each of the chapters. And uh, a person could go there uh, as a mini guide and say, well, no, that's something I want to read. Or maybe it's something you've read before and you want to skip it, or maybe you want to look at it again. But um, so I think a lot of it is uh, um, up to you uh, as to how you want to set your itinerary, right? I mean, uh, and uh, so I've included that, and that's kind of makes it a reference book as well. Uh, but um, it's not organized chronologically or by themes or whatever. It's it, and also sometimes I mean the travels are varied. Sometimes your 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 sea legs are going to be tested. <laughs> Other times it's uh, you're tramping along with uh, uh, somebody on a, a you know a field trip or what have you. So uh, I encourage really the per, a person to zigzag through the uh, book. Uh, on the other hand, many people feel like they should read a book <laughs> from page one to the end, and that's fine because you will get the variety as you move along. Um, and some people are great at skimming, and uh, and maybe it's the idea to just get an overview and then you'll go back later. And when you find something you want to dig down into, fine, whatever. But um, the, fr- the first part kind of gives you different versions of travel literature guidebooks guidebooks are usually well they tell you what to take along how to pack uh you know what you can expect uh, how much it'll cost and so forth uh, i do look at guidebooks i look at uh, different kinds of uh travel logs uh but i'm looking for those in which uh, the journey is central and the narrator uh becomes a close companion with the traveler cause we depend on that guide. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the guide behind all of these, but uh, the success of the uh, of the descriptive journey uh, is owing to the person who who traveled and put it in words, so that we can do it vicariously. Right, yep. and that's what makes this book so fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. And what we do want to mention before we wrap up that you do have a class coming up at the Cannon Valley Elder Collegium, CVEC as it's also known, uh-huh. and that is called Tales of Travel. And that starts in January, so there are certainly there's an opportunity to register for that. Some of those classes fill pretty fast, though. So yeah, when, do you know right. when registration opens? Uh, CVEC.org, they can just get in on that. Uh, the classes... Uh, begin uh, the second week of January. My class is on Monday, uh, the 9th of January. It starts, and it's two hours, 9.30 to 11.30. Now, uh, (laughs) tuition has been for 22 years, 50 bucks. Wow. So it's a real bargain. Uh, There's no exams or papers. Everybody loves to just read and talk. And, of course, the last few years I've had to do my courses with Zoom, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we do get face shots of each other. But I like to walk around in the classroom and... uh, and uh, in-person classes are back now, fortunately. That's exciting. Mine will be meeting at uh, uh, VOC, 
uh, uh, the uh, what is VOC? Valley of the Cannon, is it? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I think that we so often use initials. As yes, often exactly. But you can find all that at cvec.org. That's right. All the info is right there. And I think registration begins, uh, maybe it's begun. I know it's about mid-December that they start getting so folks can uh, check that out. And then... By mid-December, they have complete lists. So I would think it would be uh, within a week that all the information would be there. But there's preliminary information now. That's well, fabulous. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I look forward to well, and traveling I feel, with others. <laughs> I feel like this could be the beginning of our conversation because we could go into any one of those books and, you know, get a yeah. little deeper into the story of, you know, why each one resonates. And maybe I'll pick one of those that I've been thinking, gosh, I've always wanted to read it and come back and we'll read it and Excellent. talk about it. Now, in the Tales of Travel course, uh, and I've done that before at uh, Cal State, San Marcos, or other, other uh, places, um, we're going to look at seven journeys. So, you know, there's a lot more. But on the other hand, it gives us a start. You know, it's our first itinerary. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, well, that folks, sounds good. This has been exciting. This is, I want to thank Daniel Van Tassel. The book is Journey by the Book, A Guide to Tales of Travel. And I expect we'll be chatting some more. So Very, very good, Paula. Thank you. I enjoyed it. All folks, right. this is Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination. Our time is up for today. So I do hope that you will continue to take journeys and, uh, you know, explore the world. There's a lot out there for you. And uh, in the meantime, of course, until next time, I hope that you don't forget to add some Art Zany to your life and enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. 